Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Guys, it's been a hard week for your pal Dano. I I need I need pity. I'm actually good with that. Can I have pity? P I T Y. I need it. Because yesterday, right after I recorded the podcast, which I finished recording at about 1:30 Pacific time. I know it later than I intended, but whatever. My I have two hard drives in my machine, one that basically just has Windows and programs on it and then the other one has all of the data and the data hard drive just vanished poof gone computer didn't recognize it anymore i messed with boot stuff i took it apart moved cables around took the cables out of the working hard drive put them in the other one nothing had to go get my kid from camp and then took the hard drive to a PC repair shop. Nothing. No one can access it. I lost, I don't even know how much. Now, I'm lucky in some small way because I backed up some stuff in late March, but not everything. For some reason, I only did some stuff. I think it's because in late March, my wife's iCloud got full of pictures of our children. And so I backed it all up, and then I thought, oh, here's a few things that I've done that I should probably just throw over onto the external hard drive. And then I just stopped partway. I don't know why. So anyway, um, probably going to a data recovery place at some point today. We'll see what they can do and how many thousands of dollars it's going to cost. But uh, your old boy Dano um, really needs you guys to listen to the show and get something from our sponsors because... I'm going to have to pay for a new hard, well, this data recovery. I'm probably going to have to get a new computer, I would think. Now, I'm relatively concerned that this machine, which after all of this went down yesterday and I started to get alerts that the fan wasn't working anymore, it feels like this machine is sputtering, and I only wish that something else, anything else in the machine had died before the data hard drive. Oh, the pain. So, here's the problem. I still luckily have enough machine capacity to do these podcasts. I don't have any of my information. So, I'm going to do my best here, guys. And I don't mean to, like, say, hey, don't listen to Dan anymore. Uh, You should. Please continue to listen to me. And please really definitely check out our partners. In particular, right now... Uh, The folks over at Manscaped and Caldera Lab, and we'll tell you a little more about uh, Caldera Lab in the middle of the show, but I I really need these sponsors to stick with us. Before, it was a luxury. It was fun and cool, and now I need, like, a good, solid few extra months of partnership because this is going to be... Oh, boy. Sorry, kids. You can't... No, no, we're not going to eat tonight. No, no, Daddy's got to fix his computer. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. A very dejected Dan Bespris with you here as I try to sort through all the things that I don't... And you know what? The thing is... I don't mean to come back to this, but I'm... I, I don't even remember what I'm missing. You know? That's the hardest part. If someone was like, here's what you can't access anymore, then at least I could be like, okay, I, did, I need to redo that, 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 and that. I know of like hundreds of things I need to redo, but there's probably hundreds more that I'm not even remembering. And I said that to my wife, and she was like, well, then how important could they be? 
Well, not until they are. Oh, I didn't need that until I did. It's like, oh, where the hell was that? Oh, no. I'm going to get to a day. It's going to be someday in the future. Uh, where I'm not, something's going to come up that I forgot that I did. And then it's going to be like a short timeline thing. And I'm just not going to have the time to do it. I am dying over here, guys. I'm really falling apart at the seams. But let's talk fantasy basketball because... If anything can take my mind off of it, surely it's that. We are in... This was a fun thing we did last year, so I thought I'd do it again this time around. But we had to do sort of a prelude show or two. Because last year it was, here's the case for number two. The case for number two was the... the uh, I think what we titled the was a six-episode series last year. But we couldn't do that this time around because the case for number two... They didn't exist because we had a case for number one between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, which the more I say it out loud, the less insane it sounds. Look, I'm sure at the end of it all, we're going to go Nikola Jokic, but I don't think it's going to be that far apart, and it might actually flip this year. And then after working our way through Embiid and the field, yesterday we officially got into the case for number three, and we started with the injury-prone duo of Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. But they are very much not the only players that deserve to have a show on the case for number three, and likely they are the least relevant players for this discussion, simply because they played a combined 103 games last year out of 164. That ain't good. Will it probably be better for one, if not both of them? I would say yes. I mean, Kevin Durant playing more than 47 games feels almost like a guarantee, but obviously nothing in life is guaranteed, so anything can happen. Anthony Davis over 56 games played this coming year is a little bit more dicey, but I'm going to say yes on that one also. I don't think you can get that prop bet out there, but if you could, I'd probably take the yes on both. But nobody's drafting those guys number three, because even though... They are very much, and KD on Phoenix is probably not a top four, top five per game guy anymore, but he's almost definitely still a top 10 per game because he's Kevin Durant. Uh, Anthony Davis, when free throws are dropping, very much is a top three per game kind of fantasy guy. So that's why you have a discussion about a player like that. But they are so brutally banged up and that cloud is going to hang over them regardless of how this season goes and certainly regardless of how the last few have gone, good or bad, mostly not very good, that those guys are not really a fear to be drafted at the number three spot. You don't have to worry about them. And frankly, what we did on yesterday's show wasn't so much make a case for them to go number three, but actually kind of make a case for them to be on your radar for wherever they end up going. Because it'll probably be later than it should be. And you could dump kind of dump Kawhi into that same mix, but I don't know that he needs his own full breakdown show because we know his target number of games played is just lower than those other guys. That's the kind of guy that doesn't need to be in this discussion. The other groupings that we talked about here were the extraordinarily high-scoring guards sort of like the point guard, shooting guard hybrid, but a little bit older, with some stuff to consider. That's Steph and Dame. 
and the younger guys, which I don't know if we're going to be able to fit those dudes into one show. Um, oh, Steph, Dame, and Luca. sorry, was the third name in that grouping. And then the other one uh, was Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Tyrese Halliburton, and Jason Tatum. So in my eyes, there are... We want to extend this. I uh, There really isn't anybody else that I would even want to talk about for that number three spot. There are eight total names. We discussed two of them so far. We have six to go. Because of the way they break down into these groupings, I don't think I want to do three and three because I think I want to talk about these guys longer than that. And also, you know, it's the off season. I have an imploding computer and I'm really not in the business right now of doing 45 to 50 minute podcasts. These are 25 minute episodes right now. So let's just get started. We don't have to worry about how we're organizing it. Let's talk about these players and why I think they fit where they do. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. We'll start with the name on this list that I think is least likely to make a compelling case for number three, and that is Damian Lillard. Among those six names that I just listed off, which again was Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The player on that list, despite, by the way, the fact that he was the number one player in fantasy for the final 30 games last year, at least the 30 that he played before shutdown time, despite that, Dame is the one that makes the least sense for this discussion. And the big reason, the very obvious giant reason, is that he's in a contract standoff, or trade standoff, however you want to phrase it, with the Portland Trailblazers, who don't really want to acquiesce and just send him to the Miami Heat for spare parts. You can understand that. They want to, if they're going to restock, you want to do it fast. One big swoop for a superstar, get it all, get all the pieces back together. You've already got Scoot in there ready to go as part of your next wave, and the Blazers could almost avoid a complete disaster situation and do the speed rebuild, the speed build. But here's the thing. We don't know, as of August 4th, how this whole saga is going to play out. Is there some kind of chance, is there any chance that he ends up back in Portland for a stretch this year? Small, but non-zero. And what happens if he gets traded to Miami before the season starts? Is he going to get 21 shots per game on a team with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo? I think the answer to that is a pretty firm negative. 
Damian Lillard was putting up his number one in the league numbers last year on 22 shots and over 11 free throws per game, which is kind of like how we envision a possible Joel Embiid year coming up if James Harden gets moved. This was better than Nikola Jokic on a per-game basis. Again, it depends a bit on what categories you're hunting, but over the final, well, uh, I guess call it like two and change months of this last season, because that incorporated the All-Star break, Damian Lillard averaged 36.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 5.5, or excuse me, 4.5 threes, 5.5 rebounds, 7.5 assists, little under a steal, blocks, yeah, I mean, you can ignore that, on 48.5% from the field and 93.5% super high volume free throw stuff. That was nuts. Dame on one of those, he went on one of those nutso runs. But that's just not going to happen with Miami. And as consistent as Dame's numbers have been, if you just go through the years with him, other than last year where he had the abdominal thing and then sat out most of the thing. So 2020, the 2020 season, Damian Litter was number nine. The 2019 season, Damian Lillard was number three, actually, that year. It was kind of a screwy season, but he was up there. 2018 season, number 11. 2017, I mean, we can just go on like this. Number nine, back again. Second tour of duty at number nine on the board. You go all the way back to 2016, he was number 16 that year. He only shot 44.5%. That was that weird, that was the Kevin Durant number one year where nobody could shoot a basketball. And it seems to happen like once every six seasons or so. So anyway, we pivot back around to what the heck's actually been going on lately. If we look at some of these situations, we've almost never really seen Damian Lillard with the level of usage that he would likely have in Miami. And if we have, it's been frickin' forever. You know, he took 19-plus shots even way back, way, way back at the beginning of his career. He, he, like, launched up to 19 to 20 shots per game, and it did not take very long for him to get there. The last time he was under 19 shots a game was 2014 when he took 16.5 shots per game. Averaged 21 points, 4.5 boards, 6 assists, 1.2 steals, 2.5 three-pointers. He was number 16 by fantasy that year. That was the season that Anthony Davis was number one on a ridiculous one and a half steals and three blocks per ball game. It was a different, it was a different era. Guys weren't, the numbers have exploded since then. Rule changes and whatnot. That was back when Russell Westbrook could hit a free throw. Holy shamoly. Clay Thompson was a first rounder that year. Putting up the same stats he always puts up but that made him a first-rounder that season. It was just it was just different. So, yes, obviously, if Damian Lillard only gets 16.5 shots per game this coming year, his, his profile will look pretty different than it did back in 2014. But it's not that insane to think that 20, 21, 22 shots per game does come down under 20, and you're looking at more of a Dame that's a probably an early second-round guy in the modern NBA. It wouldn't be 21 points per game. He'll be he'll be above that because Jimmy Butler would typically prefer to get fouled or pass most of the time anyway. But like Dame at 32 points this last year per game only got him in at number seven on the whole board. You have to be 
you have to put up some truly obscene numbers to get into the middle of the first round now. And he did that, but he did that with nobody to help him out. Sorry, Portland. I know you have some guys over there, but none of them is was really helping him this season. So you you sort of pare back the things that Dame does, pare back usage with him, and the, and the whole thing goes down the toilet. Because for Lillard, free throws is a huge part of his value. Points, threes, a huge part of his value. Assists have been a pretty good-sized part of his value. If not huge, you can call them medium. Field goal percent is a negative for him, but not an overwhelming one. So taking away usage is taking away everything, pretty much. Everything. And he was right there in a pretty tight cluster this year with with Steph and Halliburton and Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, not that far ahead of Tatum and JJJ and Kawhi Leonard, who only was down at 13 because of his slow start. Dame is probably a second-rounder on a per-game this season in Miami. What do we really think is going to happen? 18 and a half shots per game? I don't think it's going to be like a precipitous drop. It's not going to go from 21 shots to 16. But 21 shots to 18 and a half feels very reasonable. And if you dial all that stuff down by effectively 10%, maybe more, by the way, I think we're being somewhat conservative here, he falls off. I think end of the first round is probably a best-case scenario for Dame on a per-game basis, so the case for him to go at number three just really isn't there. And I know that they get there in very different ways on the basketball court, but I think the player that we're going to talk about here in terms of the case for number three that's the closest to Lillard from just an overall what-does-he-do-on-the-basketball-court fantasy-wise is Steph Curry. Steph, this last year, 29.5 points per game. Dame was at 32. Steph was at five three-pointers. Dame was at 4.2. Steph was at six boards. Dame was at five. Steph was at six and a half assists. Dame was at seven and a half. They both had .9 steals. They both had .3 and change blocks. They shot 91.4 and 91.5, respectively, at the free throw line. Their stat sets were, again, I know they got there very different ways on the basketball court, but their stat sets were remarkably similar. Dame had the extra scoring and more free throws. Steph had the superior field goal percent, which basically covered that. Because field goal percent for Dame was a medium-sized negative. For Steph, it was a nothing. Turn that negative into a neutral. That balances it out. The case for Steph is a reasonable one. He's been at the top of the board before. The Warriors didn't really bring in any scorers, per se, although they did exchange Jordan Poole for Chris Paul and how that impacts Steph. I mean, I actually think it probably impacts him negatively, but let's let's wait and let's get to that discussion in a second here. Overall, where with Lillard, we're talking about trading from from being a 1A to like a 1C, if you want to call it that. Miami will have three guys that will all be basically sharing that that lead horse job. Steph remains the number one by a vast gap on the Warriors team. No one's coming close to taking his role, regardless of what Chris Paul ends up doing for this club. So, from a role standpoint, you can make the a pretty reasonable argument, I think, that Steph's situation isn't going to change all that much.
Before we talk more about Steph, though, I want to remind you guys to check out our buddies over at calderalab.com and get yourself the regimen for 20% off using promo code ETHOS. We're going to wing this one a little bit, by the way. I lost, I downloaded, it's in an email. Sorry, Dom, I know you're going to listen back to this one. You're going to be like, Dan, get your freaking head in the game, dude. So, uh, Dom, I like to... I like to archive emails as fast as I can. I really don't like to have an inbox where I have to scroll down the whole board. So what I did with my buddy Dom's email from Caldera Lab was uh, he had sent a couple of Google document links uh, to different things that we can talk about from the products at Caldera Lab, in addition to me obviously just having the stuff that I'm uh, having a little fun with over here. But rather than just leave that in an email like a normal person, I copied and pasted those links into a document that I filed in my Caldera Lab folder, which is on the dead hard drive. Dan, Dan, you stupid. Luckily, the products that they sent me came with this handy dandy how to use card. It's basically like a quick launch guide for Caldera Lab. The clean slate. That's the cleanser. That's the first thing you do on your regimen. You work a pump into your hand, lather it up on the face, rinse and pat dry. Boom. Got yourself a clean face. 20 seconds in the morning. You follow that up with a base layer. Apply a dime-sized amount to your face and your neck. Boom. 20 seconds. You're at 40 now in the morning. And if you've been weathered by dying hard drives and children that keep arguing with you, you're badly going to need the icon. One to two little pumps into the under eye and the eyelid. 20 more seconds. You're at one minute now. You're done. Your morning routine is done. Evening comes around. You've had a hard day. You're going to want to clean slate that bad boy again. 20 seconds. Clean your face. Rinse and dry it off. And then the good. This is the one where you start to feel like you're doing something futuristic. It's an eyedropper. You put a couple little drops into your hand and massage that into your face and neck. 20 seconds of antioxidant powerhouse goodness and your dunsky oh wait you can do the icon again at night one minute in the morning one minute at night caldera labs regimen will decrease the signs of aging in your ragged old faces go to calderalab.com use promo code ethos to get 20 percent off your order take summer by storm and look like a younger version of yourself in the process your confidence will be soaring your embarrassment will hit the lowest level it's been in decades. And you can be like, hey, everybody, look how good I look. Because Dan told me how to do it. And he did it without his hard drive. E-T-H-O-S, calderalab.com. Check him out right now. A little bit more on Steph Curry here. There have been a couple seasons lately where I felt like we could make a case for Steph to go number one. I don't think we're at we're in that universe anymore, simply because too many guys in the NBA are putting up the numbers that Steph had been putting up when he was at the top of the board. I want to see if I can make that sentence make any sense. Go back to, let's see what year it was. I think it was 2017. Was that the, the powerhouse year? No, 2015 was the Jumbo Steph year. 
But look, I mean, Steph's been good for a long time. But 2015 was the was the MVP season, where he just boat raced the NBA in fantasy uh, and just reality numbers. That season, Steph averaged 30 points, five and a half boards, six and a half assists on 50-91 splits with five three-pointers, and he was number one. He also had 2.1 steals per game, which is a number that has not really been uh, replicated. Steph had 1.8 the year after that, then 1.6. It's been on a bit of a downward trajectory for a while. He's at 1.3, and then this year he didn't even hit one. But look at the other numbers that Steph put up this season. 29.5 points per game. That's half a point less. Five three-pointers, same. Six rebounds. Better, actually. Six and a half assists, same. 49 and 91 and a half splits. Pretty much the same. The numbers that Steph put up this year were almost a dead heat for his MVP, his runaway boat race the league season in 2015. Minus one steal per ball game, which, mind you, is a big deal, so I don't want to just write that off. But Steph was number six per game. Number six. If you added one more steal per ball game, would that have thrust Steph into the number one spot? Uh, he certainly would have been up in that top three discussion. Number one, questionable. The remarkable part is that if you just took his stats and, uh, like, go back, find a, find a way to look at it. Basketball Monster has them all lined up. That's a pretty easy one to do. Go back to that 2015 final numbers. Steph was so far out in front of everybody else, it was, it was absurd. He was the Jokic that year, where if you had Steph on your team in any fantasy capacity... You were at the top of your league. Did you win your championship? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff comes down to chance in head-to-head leagues. In your Roto League, you probably took money. It was probably like an 80% chance or better that you took money in your Roto League, and all you had to do was have Steph that year. It was like Jokic uh, two years ago, basically, where it was like, this is just unfair. You shouldn't even have a second-round pick. Because the difference between Steph and the number two player that season, which was Kevin Durant was the equivalent of a mid-second rounder. That was the gap between number one and the rest of the field. This year, the gap between number one and the rest of the field was zero because Jokic was tied with Embiid. And then the gap between Embiid and Shea Gilgis-Alexander was like a fifth rounder. They were bunched up this season. And all of those guys, and this is the really crazy part, all of those guys were much more valuable than Steph was Despite Steph putting up nearly a carbon copy of his runaway 2015 campaign, minus one steal per game. Yeah, 82 steals makes a big difference, or if you're going to extrapolate that for an entire season, you know, per game, etc., whatever, you guys get it. A steal is a big deal. We can't just wipe that out in our minds. But even if you gave Steph that extra steal per game right now, uh, he's not like jumping past all of these guys. He just moves up into a pack with them. So Steph's best season ever, which came eight years ago now, basically just puts him in a pack with Jokic Embiid this past year and probably Shea and maybe even Anthony Davis if you wanted to lump him in there. A little bit ahead of those guys. 
Isn't that insane? I don't want to say that that type of season is now commonplace, but the the numbers that players are putting up right now, it's just, it's so hard to be the number one guy the way Jokic was. It's so hard to run away from the pack. And it also makes it really hard to make a compelling argument to take Steph Curry at three when you know what needs to happen to get him there, which is for him to somehow buck this eight-year-long trend of his steals per game going down, where even though everything else he did this past season was pretty much in line with the best seasons of Steph's entire career, the steals ain't coming back, people. Those are gone. That was a that was a, a bygone era. I love Steph Curry. But look, we're not making this court the, the case for Steph Curry to go number one. No one's going to take Steph Curry number one. Is there a case to take him at three ahead of some of these other guys we've talked about? Ahead of Damian Lillard? Yes, there's a very reasonable case for that. Ahead of Kevin Durant? Uh, yeah, reasonable case for that because of the Phoenix stuff. Ahead of Anthony Davis? Yes, perhaps because of the injury thing, although... I think AD probably finishes higher on a per-game basis this year, so maybe that's not quite as cut and dry. Higher than Halliburton? Uh, maybe. I mean, he did beat him this year on a per-game. Higher than Shea? Even if Shea comes back to the pack a little bit, does Steph move up? Questionable. Tatum? Steph was better than Tatum per-game, but what about the durability factor? For that, I'd say the answer to the question of could you make a case to take Steph at three, the answer is yes. In a way where with KD, you probably can't. Dame, you probably can't. AD, you sort of could, but you're not going to ignore the injury stuff. But then Steph played the exact same number of games this year as Anthony Davis did. So if you're not going to ignore it on one, can you ignore it on the other? So I'll answer that question with this. It's not the best case for number three, but there is one. There is a universe, a non-zero chance, that Steph finishes this season with the number three per game production in fantasy. Largely because I look at it and say, well, the Lakers got a bunch of guys that can do stuff. Anthony Davis comes back to the pack, and if his free throws aren't good, he falls farther. Kevin Durant, on a team with more guys doing things, he likely comes back a little bit. Shea Gilgis-Alexander added stuff around him he probably comes back a little bit. Those are the three guys in front of Steph that would, this past season on a per-game basis, that he would have to jump to get to number three. They probably each do a little bit less. I don't know that that necessarily means they move down the board, but they probably each do a little bit less. And Steph probably does around the same because what Chris Paul likely takes away is, you know, initiation, ball handling at the front end of a play. Steph's still going to get looks. I don't know that his looks change at all. I mean, ultimately, he's the guy that should probably be doing most of their offense. Could he take a tiny step back? Yeah, it's a possibility. But I'd say that possibility is less than Dame, less than KD, maybe similar to Anthony Davis, if you're making that case of will they do less this coming year. And so there is a case, but probably not the best one. Uh, next week, I will be out of town. I will be pre-recording some of the podcasts, so if there's news that breaks, it may or may not actually appear on the shows. 
But we're going to talk a little bit more on Monday, Tuesday, and... Well, no, Monday and Tuesday at the very least uh, on this case for number three. And we'll see if that drags us into anything else. And then you guys actually put together some really good answers to what do you want to hear about in August in the dog days? We'll probably do a little bit on those as well. Some Roto Strategy has been one that came out. They're like, Dan, you... You get this. You you have the nickname as the Roto guy, which is true, by the way. And people are like, you don't talk about head to head. I very much do talk about head to head. It's the fact that I got this, uh, basically the the you're the Roto guy thing. That all you then hear is me talking about Roto. Believe me, I talk about both. If I could, I would probably skip one or the other, but you can't because people play both, and more people play head to head. But I got a bunch of questions, um, some on the side, some publicly, that people are like, look, you got to talk about why you love Roto, how you do your settings, why is this something we should even try this coming year, and I will happily make a case for that. So that may be one of the shows next week, and uh, we'll kind of see how things develop. But we got a few more here on the case for number three. I think I probably have some better cases for number three coming up. Maybe the best one still has yet to be made. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Pray for my computer. Talk to you guys on Monday, probably. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.